Of course, not all real estate investments are successful, but many of them are. And yes, we have their inflation is crazy, you know, seven, eight percent and above. But we were able to push rents and basically make sure that our income is in line with inflation. And so our assets are actually cash flowing. And so it's an important thing to mention that even in a recessionary environment and when things are not very much stable, real estate and specifically multifamily are very strong. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the fourth season of Ready to Scale. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. Real estate investing is not rocket science, but it's not a fairy tale either. It's an incredible investment vehicle that builds and grows wealth. I have done it, and this is why so many of the wealthiest people in America and in the world actually invest in real estate as well. Listen in every week to learn about all the different real estate asset classes, which strategies experienced and successful investors use to live their best lives and the processes to do it. Don't reinvent the wheel. Just listen in every week to grow your knowledge along with me and to move your finances to a place where you can live an extraordinary life. This show is sponsored by my company, Blue Lake Capital, where we help passive investors grow their wealth through large multifamily investments and funds. To learn more about my company and invest in with me, visit www.bluelake-capital.com. Welcome to Ready to Scale Season 4. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Ready to Scale. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman, and I have with me Jeanette Robinson, our Director of Investor Relations. Today, we're actually recording this. It's October of 2022, and we want to talk about the new deal that we have and also the state of the market. There's a lot of things that are happening right now, especially in the real estate arena, and we want to share with you what we see on our end as sponsors and owners of multifamily properties across you know, the U.S. For those of you who don't know us, we are a group with offices in Boston and Los Angeles, and we've owned owned 3,300 units since inception, which was roughly 700 million in AUM since inception. We've been buying and selling assets in different parts of the cycle. We've been buying and selling when COVID hit, and that was a very interesting timing. Very interesting um, indeed. Very interesting when a lot of groups were kind of on the sidelines and waiting to see what is going to happen when we bet on multifamily and not bet basically paid off. But today we want to talk to you about the state of the market, what we see today, and also about the new deal that we have, Stonebrook portfolio. Very, very an exciting opportunity. 494 units between two assets between North Carolina, right outside the research triangle, and in Atlanta MSA in Vinings, which is a very, very strong area right outside adjacent to Buckhead, which is one of the best submarkets in Atlanta. So, you know, we can kick it off by kind of telling investors, you know, a little bit about what we see right now in the market. And just a disclaimer, we are not a registered investment advisors. Every investor is different. And we always encourage you to make an investment decision after talking and discussing with your CPA, investment advisor, attorneys, etc. All right, we got that we out got of the, the way. Disclaimer out of the way. Yes, very important. You know, once a lawyer, always a lawyer. Of so. course. 
And I will say that, you know, not only are we happy to share information with you about our deal, but we think one of the things that you might really enjoy about hearing us talk about this is the economy is different and there's different factors that you're going to want to look for in deals in today's economic climate that you didn't necessarily need to look for three months ago or six months ago. So, Ellie, I think, you know, for starters, let's talk about the elephant in the room, which is like, why are you buying assets right now? Yes. And we get this question, not a lot, but we do get it. And, you know, I do think that in every part of the cycle, because real estate is cyclical, right? You have a period where, you know, it seems that everyone's making money, which is not true, and times that we're kind of towards a recession. And what I would say, and, you know, it's probably not a popular opinion, but it is true. I actually think we are in a recession. And on the one hand, if there's two, you know, consecutive quarters with negative GDP, it's technically a recession. On the other hand, we have that group of eight professors and established economists that their job is to actually decide whether we are in a recession. And they say we are not because we're looking at other factors like unemployment and also, you know, income and is general. And it's basically they said this has been better than before. And so technically, we are not in a recession. The from the we way that not, I see and we things, are, right? we're not. We are, I think that we are in a recession, and I think it's because we've had that negative GDP growth over two consecutive quarters. But then, when we're looking at real estate, we see that it's still performing even in a recession. And specifically, multifamily is a strong, you know, investment vehicle in an asset class, and it's still very much a solid investment. Of course, not all real estate investments are successful, but many of them are. And yes, we have their inflation is crazy, you know, seven, eight percent and above. But we were able to push rents and basically make sure that our income is in line with inflation. And so our assets are actually cash flowing. And so it's an important thing to mention that even in a recessionary environment and when things are not very much stable, real estate and specifically multifamily are very strong. And I have to say also, you know, now more than ever, it's important to choose the right location. Mm-hmm. So the Stonebrook portfolio that we're purchasing right now, you know, one asset is right outside the Research Triangle, which is a very, very strong area in North Carolina, in the Raleigh-Durham area. Yeah, yeah. Apple's building their $1 billion East Coast campus out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So we have a lot of tech employees and medical and retirees, very strong, you know, community and the tenant base, I would bet on tenant base and any day. And the other asset we have in Vinings, again, it's a very, very strong submarket mm-hmm. in Atlanta. You have the household income in the area is over $166,000. You have million dollar homes adjacent to the property. And so and even in because the, it's in yeah. such close proximity to Bucket. Exactly. And Bucket mm-hmm. is a very strong area. And so in a recessionary environment or where things are kind of volatile, You want to invest your money where you have stability and where the tenant base is actually strong. And, you know, I'm looking also another factor is what are the other options that I have? I mean, the stock market is volatile. The, you know, Bitcoin is, you know, unstable at this point at least. And so 
if I keep my money in a bank and wait to see what happens, to sit on the sideline, I'm actually losing 8% because my money is worth less than it was before. I'm not an economist, obviously not, you know, investment advisor, but when I'm looking at what to do with my money, how to grow my money, I still think that real estate is a solid investment. If anything, you know, profits is one thing, but to keep the value of the principal, that's one of the things that real estate can give you. And I'm not even talking about the 100% bonus depreciation <laughs> that is going away next year. So down from 100 to 80 and then 60 and 40. So this is the last year to get one of the most significant benefits in real estate, which mm-hmm. is 100% bonus depreciation. So basically what we do instead of taking depreciation over 27 and a half years, we accelerate everything to year one and normally, and we cannot of course promise anything, but normally if someone writes, let's say $300,000 check, about 150,000, they get in losses in year one. And so those who are going to invest in the Stonebrook portfolio, we're going to close in December. That's really the last chance to get 100% bonus depreciation because IRS is taking it away. Well, not entirely. Next year, it's going to be down to 80% and 60 and 40. So this is one of the things that are very, you know, it's a significant benefit that is basically going to go away. So just that keep down in mind when you're thinking about it. So basically, just to kind of hit the high level points, first and foremost, yes, we're in a recession, but two, multifamily real estate investing is going to help really preserve your capital and be a hedge against this, you know, very high inflationary market that we're in. And historically, of course, it's not like every time we've been through a recession that all real estate investors suddenly stop investing. Of course, right. Right. And more than in kind of all of those points aside, of course, I do appreciate everything you're saying about the tax depreciation. Get it? I appreciate the depreciation. (laughs) But also aside of that, it's location, right? So it's coming back to kind of really honing in on fundamentals. And so rather we're talking about this deal or, you know, investors are evaluating other deals. One of the things obviously that you really need to look at in this economy more than ever is going to be the location and the tenant base. Is that yeah, right? Absolutely. And that's very strong. That for Blue Lake, that has been the strategy from the get-go to, you know, stay away from sea assets and, you know, assets that may work great on paper, but they're in, you know, kind of weak areas. I wanna be where the tech employees are, I wanna be when the young doctors are. I want them to be my tenants because these guys will pay their rent, they care about their credit score, and they're not gonna be, you know, late. So generally speaking, that has been the strategy and specifically on this deal. So the portfolio, basically two assets, 494 units. We're planning to hold the assets for five years and then sell it. And we're looking basically to raise 68 million for this raise. We're closing first week of December. And, you know, Jeanette is going to talk later about returns and the options that investors have between class A and class B. But generally speaking, we're looking at 13 to 18% average annual return. And again, these are projections. If you want more information, you can reach out to Jeanette. She can share with you the scenarios that we have you know, in place and how we got to those numbers. But I think that's actually a good point. So, you know, we can get into the details of what the returns are for this deal. And generally speaking, one of the things that I think all investors need to understand is when you're looking at returns for different offerings, you better honestly, realistically understand that they're not going to be what they used to be. Not, yeah. not in this kind of market. And if someone is still underwriting 
today the way that they did three months ago, that's concerning. You don't want to see that. I don't want to get into a deal that has, you know, really high projections because yeah. that would be a lot of red flags to me. And Absolutely. I think it's important for investors to understand that given where we are now in, you know, the cycle, you have to kind of realize that, yeah, we may not be having as huge of returns as we used to once before, but again, where else are you honestly going to put your money that's a better place to preserve your capital? And secondly, you're still going to be able to grow your money. It's just not quite at that same astronomical rate that we've enjoyed for a while now. Yeah, absolutely. And that's also to answer your first question, why invest now? Because we know now what we didn't know three months ago. We know where interest rates are. We know what premiums we can get and, you know, what happens to the increase in expenses and what everything is going on right now, we are very much aware and we can underwrite those doom and gloom, you know, scenarios. And that's the numbers you see in front of you based on worst case scenarios. So we're taking all of this into consideration and that's why it actually makes it a pretty conservative, you know, deal. And so if we were looking at the underwriting and, you know, deals can flourish, they, they live or die in Excel, right? The way that we have been looking at it, because we were very conservative operators, first of all, we're looking at rent growth and we've owned assets in the area. So we know what we can get. So even though we've been achieving up to 60, 60 or 60% rent increases, we're never going to underwrite this on new deals. So we're assuming much, much lower numbers could be 4%, 5%, 7%, very, very low numbers, especially with inflation, you know, 8% off the bat. It's just to push us to match inflation. We're not even underwriting for the entire five-year hold period to those levels, but much lower numbers. And just to give you, you know, examples, when it comes to the assets, when we were looking at the comps, the competition, our team is actually calling each and every one of those competitors and asking, what do you have available? How much do you charge for rent? Do you have any any specials right now? Because we want to understand how much we can actually get. And so the asset Stonebrook Vinings, which is, that's how what we're going to rename and rebrand the asset to, based on, you know, when you look at the comps, the Delta is up to $709. And we are not even underwriting to those numbers, but this just to show you what the opportunity is. And with Stonebrook Mebane, the Delta is $470, but we are underwriting to $217 to $283. So there's a healthy Delta. We know we can push rents there, but I want to see what the Excel spreadsheet is going to show me what the returns are going to be when we're looking at, you know, much more conservative, artificially low numbers. Another part of why this deal is conservative is we like to keep money aside in cash reserves for any unexpected project. So we have a little bit so literally of planning for the unexpected. Yep. So close to a million dollars we put aside just for any unexpected projects. We have our team, they already, you know, a team already walked the assets. So we know what roofs we need to change, you know, what pipes we need to maintain. We know all this, but what if something happens two years down the line? So we have the money aside that is basically going to put in, um, into these projects. Um, so basically if we're looking at, okay, how do you evaluate a deal today and make a good decision in today's market? We're saying that it really needs to have a strong focus on location. Yeah. We're saying that you need yeah. to pay attention, right, to the tax benefits, which mm-hmm. no one wants to lose sight of that. And now we're talking about underwriting and yep. having conservative underwriting in place and really paying attention to the competitive properties 
around and how much they're charging, which, you know, is, is generally going to be a reflection of how much we can charge and yep. then not being ridiculous and thinking that we're going to charge up to $700 higher on the rent all of a sudden because some other property did. So it, which we're going to try to, but in, in the world of Excel and, and underwriting, right. we're not. And the last thing that I'm going to say about being conservative, and it's actually very important, is the debt side. So interest rates are increasing. And that's what, you know, questions that we get is how do you make deals work with interest rates? You know, they're so high right now. But that's why we are going to place a very conservative fixed rate debt. So we're looking at about 50% LTV loan to value with a fixed rate. So we know from day one what the interest rate is going to be until the day we sell, from the day we own the property until we exit. And that can basically, you know, it's making sure that whatever is happening with interest rates, it's not going to impact the payments. Yeah, if interest rates are going to go down in two years, we can always refinance. But for now, I know exactly how much I'm paying. If interest rates are going to go up to, you know, God forbid, 9%, it doesn't matter. It doesn't impact directly the asset because we have locked in, you know, a fixed rate for the next five to seven years. And that's an important thing to remember because if we were to place an adjustable interest loan, then mainly what's going to happen, the asset's performance is going to be heavily impacted by the rise in interest rates. Mm -hmm. Exactly, which ultimately impacts returns, right? Yep, exactly. in order to mitigate the risk, because we do know, you know, what challenges we're going to walk into. We know what challenges we're facing, which is ironic because really this is easier essentially than COVID. COVID was full of you know, completely unknown impact. Yeah. And we had to pivot mid-course. Yeah. So this time we're going into a deal well aware of what challenges we're going to face. And we have already taken all the steps that we can take to mitigate those risks in advance by being, you know, conservative in our underwriting and anticipating those challenges, yeah. right? Absolutely. And that makes it a lot easier because we know what to expect because right. we're, already, we're already looking at the you know worst case scenario in the face and we say, oh, we know you. We know what you are. <laughs> uh, and so that makes it a little bit easier. Now, let's talk a little bit about the business plan and what we're actually going to do at the property. So part of it is the Blue Lake kind of regular scope of renovation. So whenever we buy an asset, we like to, you know, renovate the exterior mainly, you know, make sure the landscaping is being taken care of. We're resurfacing the parking lot. If we need to do power washing, exterior paint, everything we can do to make sure that the first impression is very strong and the right type of tenants are going to be attracted to our properties. And then we're also going to renovate the interiors. So for each asset, each of the assets in the portfolio, only some of the units have been renovated, not all of them. And so we're going to complete the renovation mm-hmm. and have renovated fresh new look, you know, units, and then we can basically charge premiums on top of that. Um, now, what I yes. think is interesting and fun about this deal too is we almost have a bonus, if yes. you will, right? We got a bonus yeah. surprise, like the little toy inside of a cereal box when you get just that little something extra. So you want to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. And we have one on each. So with Stonebrook Mebbin, we do have, the interesting thing is that the leasing office was sold to a different group several years ago. And so there's really not a decent leasing office. They're using the current gym as a tiny, tiny leasing office. So we're going to bring the gym back to what it was and take one 
unit and turn it into a beautiful leasing office. So when tenants are going to walk in, they'll be able to see how a unit actually looks like. And it's going to be a much more welcoming experience for them. And then with the Stormbrook Vinings in Atlanta, we're basically one of the cherry on tops is that a year and a half ago, there was been a fire. From what we know, everyone is fine, but 10 units were burnt down. And so insurance has been paying for the construction of that building and it will be delivered in a few months. And that's actually a great opportunity because we are basically paying for an asset as if everything is a bit of an older vintage. But then in a few months, we're going to get 10 brand new units that we can basically charge market rent is going to be higher than the rest of the property. And insurance has been paying for everything, for the loss of income, for the construction. So that's what I see as an opportunity when we're saying, hey, we'll take it, you know, and run with it. And we're totally fine doing a little bit more work to get, you know, compensated for it later on. And that actually leads me to something we didn't talk about, which is how did we win those deals? I know. I was actually going to bring that up. I was going to say before we bore everybody with too many details, (laughs) let's talk about some of the fun parts. So Ellie, yeah. How did we win the deal? So it's interesting. One deal, we were not the highest bid. And I'm not at liberty of saying how much, but it was a significant delta. And one of the reasons why we won is because of surety of closing. So a seller always has a choice whether he or she is going to go with the highest bid or with the group that they think are more likely to close. And that's where the opportunities happen when you can actually buy assets much less than the other group is willing to buy it for because the seller views you as someone as a group strong group who can close especially when times are kind of uncertain Mm -hmm. so that's one thing and then it also happened when COVID hit and we bought an, an asset that we later exited and we exited after 18 months, we bought it in June of 2020, 18 months later we sold it and net IRR to investors was 45, 46% net to investors. So we were willing to take the risk and there were not many groups that were buying at this point. No, um, and we, here we are doing the same thing again. Yes. You know, there's not a lot of groups out there buying at this point and yes. just like we did back then and to great benefit to our investors, we're doing it again. Yep, absolutely. And so that's how we won one of the deals because of surety of closing. The other deal we won because we went to a deal that usually is smaller than what we would look at. And the strategy was let's play in the sandbox of smaller groups because then that's how we have the advantage. So yeah, normally we would go to 80 to 100, $120 million deals. But what if you look at smaller deals, then we can stand out because returns are so great. Mm-hmm. And even though normally I wouldn't look at smaller deals, it makes sense to me because now I can win them, not based on price, but again, based on the fact that we are a much stronger group compared to the other groups that are buying mm-hmm. the smaller assets. So and that's it gives us the benefit of packaging together beautiful yeah. portfolios yeah. for our investors, right? Exactly. So it's a win for everybody. Exactly. So Jeanette, do you want to talk about kind of the options that investors have? They're interested in investing. What options do they have and what returns you know, can they expect? Sure. And I think, you know, again, it's important to understand that we're being very conservative, you know, in these projections. 
I certainly hope that we will easily meet them and greatly exceed them. But nonetheless, you know, I do want to just put this out there that it's important to make sure that any deal you're looking at has realistic returns. Yeah. Very important. So basically what we do, we like to give investors options. You know, it's an honor to have people partner with us to actually entrust us with their funds. And we want to make sure that we're being as flexible as possible to help investors achieve their goals. So typically what we do is we offer two different class structures and we have class A and we have class B. Now class A is interesting and class A actually is something that I think is going to be very beneficial, particularly because of where we are in the economy right now. So, you know, how do you counterbalance basically inflation? How do you counterbalance the fact that everything has just become more expensive? Well, if you increase your passive income and you have a strong cash flow, that's a great way to counter this particular time that we're in. So class A investors actually get 8% preferred returns throughout the holding period of the entire time that we've got the asset, right? Now, they don't get to participate in the sales proceeds on the flip side when we sell, but they get the assurity of having very strong cash flow throughout the entire holding period. So I think that's something that's very advantageous, especially, you know, for investors that have that as a significant priority for them. And then for class B, class B is basically the investors that know how to play the long game and that want to play the long game, meaning that they're willing to take slightly less returns throughout the holding period. So in this deal, for example, it's essentially going to be, you know, we're aiming for basically 5% cash on cash with a 6% PREF. What that means is basically, you know, investors will be receiving possibly 5%, you know, during the holding period. And then at the end of the year, if there's enough leftover in reserves, then we'll make an additional distribution to bring everybody up to a 6% PREF. So that's the aim. And that's being a little bit more conservative. You know, typically we don't do it that way. But again, we're recognizing where we're at in the cycle right now and we're being smart. Absolutely. And so for class B investors, we're basically looking at a range. We're basically sharing the conservative base and also optimistic scenarios. And we'd like to show investors what is possible. So when it comes to class B investors, we're looking at average annual return, which includes the cash on cash and the sale proceeds between 13 to 18.6% over five years. Mm-hmm. In terms of IR, it's about 11 and to 15.5%. And Jeanette, we'll be happy to talk with you and explain to you the different methods and how we got to those numbers. But class A spots are limited to a million dollars only. Yeah. And then the rest... We can't um, pay everybody 8% preferred. So we have to limit that class. Yeah, we're very, you know, we're very conservative and you know I have to say I'm investing you know my money in this deal my family's money in this deal and so if I think the deal is good enough for me and for my family these are the deals that I'm bringing to investors I'm putting my money where my mouth is and that's how much you know confidence I have in this deal in the fundamental of the Stonebrook portfolio which is a phenomenal location really strong tenant base and proven, you know, value add strategy. And that's exactly what we're looking for when we're looking at deals. Definitely. And, you know, that's one of the things that I, that I often per se brag about when it comes to Blue Lake Capital. And I always tell this when I speak to investors, I think it's very significant when you're putting your own capital into the deal. Because I know that as an investor, I don't want my general partner 
to not have their interests equally aligned with mine. I don't want them to make decisions that benefit their bottom line, but not mine. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that that's just super important. I always encourage people to make sure that they're asking sponsors, are you investing in the deals? How yep. much are you investing in the deals? Because exactly. you want to make sure you're truly a team and everybody, you know, is aligned with the same interest in a deal. So I think it's great that you do that. And, and honestly, I brag about it all the time. <laughs> well, and I think also, you know, one thing I want to leave the investors with is what do I need to look at when I'm looking at deals today? And what questions do you want to ask? Some questions that you want to ask sponsors are not necessarily comfortable. It's not comfortable to ask those questions. So one of them, and these are the questions that I would ask if I were to place money as a passive investor with another sponsor, what are the things that could go wrong in this specific investment and how have you mitigated that risk? Mm -hmm. And so you know, one of the things about the Stonebrook portfolio is, you know, one of the major risks, which is a risk I would say in any investment is if we cannot hit the target premiums that we believe we can get. And that's why we have these three scenarios, conservative, base, and optimistic to say, if we are not base is kind of when we think we can get premiums at, if we don't think we can get that, then the returns you're going to get are the kind of conservative scenario. Mm -hmm. That's one risk when we're not getting, instead of $250, we're getting, for instance, just an example, $200. So how does the deal, you know, look like? That's one, you know, one risk. The other one is about the debt. So always make sure that, especially right now, what kind of debt are you placing on the property? So to mitigate risk of fluctuating interest rates and increasing costs of financing and debt, we're basically... A, getting only 50% LTV, loan to value, and we're getting a fixed rate, which would be higher than a bridge loan, but we don't want to take the risk of having, you know, the loan payments increase so there's not enough cash flow to investors. And so these are the major things that right now, these are the things that could go wrong. And that's one question that I urge you to ask. In mm -hmm. addition, is a sponsor, you know, investing their own money? And if not, why not? So maybe sure. they ran into, you know, cash flow situation. Maybe they never do. And you want to understand why. And it's okay if they're not, as long as you know the reason and you're comfortable with it. What are the questions you get from investors these days? Well, you know, I think that it's very important to always ask a sponsor if they paid their investors in full and on time, right? You want to yeah. know about people's track records. And it's, it sounds great when someone says, oh, I have hundreds of millions in assets under management. And generally my returns to my investors are X percent. But, you know, sometimes you can really get down to the truth a lot faster if you ask them very directly if they have paid their investors in full and on time. Have they met all of their projections? Have they exceeded their projections? How yeah. often do they meet them? How often do they exceed them? You know, asking very precise questions like that, I think it's extremely yeah. important to really help you not get, quote, sold, right, on a deal. Ask them for performance report. The good sponsors will be mm -hmm. able to share it with you. The more experienced the sponsor is, the lower the likelihood is that they actually nailed it on each and every investment. Just a numbers game. It's just, you know, it's real estate after all. And then you want to ask what happened in this investment, that investment. What happened that you projected 15% but delivered 11 And And a good sponsor is going to be, 
honest and comfortable telling you the truth, telling you, okay, this is what happened. Mm -hmm. And this is what I've learned from it. This is why it's not going to happen again. This is what we've, the processes we've implemented or, you know, the adjustments we've made to the market selection, to the strategy that making sure it's not going to happen. So it's really important to understand how they think, how to operate, kind of understand, do you feel comfortable investing with them? Because sometimes it's your children's, you know, college fund that you're going to invest and we're very grateful for every each and every investor that decides to invest with us. We don't take it for granted. Every mm-hmm. fifty thousand, a hundred, half a million, five million, we treat everyone the same. Everyone is important to us, and we understand that there's always a choice. You can always choose to invest in another deal with another sponsor, and we're just grateful that it's not only our performance, which was you know over thirty percent IR net to investors and one point six eight you know equity multiple, which are great numbers, right? Yep. But it's also how you know how the sponsors are treating their investors, and we always like to be you know honest. We like to treat everyone like they're the only investor. <laughs> I so try. Jan- <laughs> you know, Jeanette is going to it's in February, right? Uh, going to a wedding, one uh, of our investors' wedding. So yes. just to show you, and some of them His we daughter's became friends. Wedding. Daughter's wedding. Yes. I'm sorry, our that's right. Investors' daughter's wedding. That, yes. That's right. So some of them were, you know, we became very close. It's and we're proud of those relationships. We yeah. think, you know, we think differently, we operate differently, and we're proud of it. So we we're do. gonna keep doing it. And actually, I'm glad that you said that because here's one last tip that I think is super important is ask to talk to their current investors. When you yeah. when you're evaluating a sponsor, you know, I was on the phone earlier today speaking with someone who actually was referred to us. And I didn't even know which investor referred him. He kind of at first didn't really tell me who referred him. But it was great to hear, you know, because the reality is when you deliver for your investors, your investors become your cheerleaders. And so, you know, also listen, listen to what sponsors people are talking about. Ask them to talk to their current investors. Let their current investors be their cheerleaders. If their current investors don't want to cheerlead for them, then that's, you know, kind of an indicator that you might want to evaluate that a little bit more carefully. Yeah. Well, anyways, we're very glad that you were here with us for the past, I would say, 30 minutes. That was fun chatting with you, Jeanette, about the Stonebrook portfolio, about the market, about investors, you know, in general. We, I always love talking about real estate and about what's happening in the market. If you're interested in investing in the Stonebrook portfolio, it's basically first come, first serve. So we have limited spots. Reach out to Jeanette. You can reach out to her. We're going to put a link and the email address in the bottom in the notes section so you can read about the investment, maybe schedule a call with Jeanette. She sure. would love to speak with you. And I hope that that was interesting to you to listen to what is going on in the market and kind of the deals that we're doing and how and why we're doing them. And how to market. navigate from here, right? Yes. It's all going to be okay. All right. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, guys, for your time. I really appreciate it. Be bold, be great. Keep moving forward. And I guess I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, guys. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.